This is Matt and Myron, the podcast. It is Sunday morning here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Jake Asman. He uh, is down in Houston. R.I.P. Toby Keith. One of the best to to do it. Love Toby. And uh, this is maybe his most famous song. And I'm sure they're playing it down in Houston this weekend. You know, this weekend, right after we're done here, we will have NBA action. The Sixers host the Bucks, presented by Indeed. Yes, Indeed. The game coverage begins at 1230 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Sixers and the Bucks, homecoming for Doc Rivers. I don't know if he's going to get uh, if he's going to get a ton of love when he returns back to Philly, but he hasn't gotten a ton of love anywhere because he's only four and seven since he took over for the Bucks. The worst start for through eleven games of his entire coaching career. Milwaukee was thirty and thirteen when they got rid of Adrian Griffin. Four and seven since JJ Redick, who feels like he's been in the news a lot, you know, in the last week. Seems like whatever he says makes news. He said with Doc Rivers, there's really no accountability. I, I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm-hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no <laughs> – there's never accountability with that guy. Wow. This is, J.J. Reddick played for Doc Rivers. Doc, I, he, he has – he gets people such strong emotions one way or the other. What's your take on all this? It feels personal, right? Like It, it does, it, doesn't like it? Like J.J. going up and in on him, it, it feels personal. I mean – I thought Austin Rivers made a good retort to J.J.'s comments. Now, I get it. He's Doc's son. He's going to defend him. But he's like, I mean, Doc's never held accountable. He's been fired from all these places. So, he's losing his job. You know, it's it's not like he's he's skating free after blowing some of these playoff leads or not being able to get it done in some of these big games. It, it's a weird spot for Doc because you know, here's a guy that obviously has won an NBA title. He's won in a lot of places, but people feel like he should have won more, and I think that's fair. And now you're asking him to fix a Bucks team that had a great record when they fired Adrian Griffin. They were 30-13. and 13. So it, it's, it's a very weird spot because Doc typically is, is not this great playoff coach, and when you fire a coach who's 30-13, and 13, you're making that move because you believe the guy you have is not good enough to win you big playoff games, so then you bring in Doc Rivers. So I never understood the thought process behind making that move in the first place. Yeah, okay, so leave aside whether they should have made the move because I, I, I don't totally disagree with you on that. I do think J.J., who, by the way, and I got nothing against J.J. Redick except he played for Duke. That's the only <laughs> thing I don't like about him. And I think he's very smart and a very good analyst. He's a colleague here at ESPN. But this was a dude that just a week ago was ranting about uh, at Kendrick and other people for saying, like, you're dumbing down the discourse on the NBA, while then uh, two days later he's like, Doc Rivers never takes response, like, like yelling and screaming. I thought you were against that exact thing that you're now doing. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I will say this about Doc Rivers just to take up for him for a second. Every franchise he's been to, there are people who say he's underachieved. Maybe. But he also has left the franchise better than when he got there. Right? Like, I think in every single time. In every single time he took a franchise and he was it left, they usually fired him, but they were better than when they got him. And so, now will that happen in Milwaukee? 
we'll wait and see. But I do think people, you know, he, he is not. He probably should have won at least one more title. But I also think in some ways he's punished for setting them up to where you expect them to win a title because he is usually the one that has gotten the team to that point. And, but this spot is so unique, right, because here he is being shoehorned in the middle of a season, taking over a team that was 30-13. and 13. They were the two-seed in the conference when he got there. And now it's like, okay, we're firing Adrian Griffin. He's a first-year coach because we don't think we can win the big one with him. We've already seen enough, even though the record's the record, that this guy can't get us to where we want to go in the postseason. So we'll bring in a guy who – the season's who, not over. I mean, the season's not over, though. Correct. Because you hit it. He's not brought in for the regular season. They've brought him in for the playoffs. Now, right. whether that works, who knows? But I think they took the view, we can't beat the Celtics with Adrian Griffin. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But how about we at least let him get to the point that he's playing the Celtics before before we dismiss it? Bingo. I think that's my main point, right? You, you, you determined you couldn't beat the Celtics or win a championship with Adrian Griffin. So then you bring in Doc Rivers, who's known for not being able to win the big games and, and get the most out of – the teams he's coaching, that that's the risk. But he here. always owned the Celtic. I mean, that was the thing. The Sixers the, 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 the Sixers were the team that I think the Celtics were always worried about the most, and they ended up always not having to play them, right? So that helped. Until last year, and then they flamed Until out. last year. That's exactly right, until last year. So we'll see. I, I, I understand. Reddick clearly doesn't like him. It's tough because Reddick has clearly got some sort of ill will towards him, and Austin is Doc's son. So it's hard to – like both these guys have have sort of agendas. But I just found it odd for J.J. to sort of really dislike this sort of, as he said, kind of narrow-minded, dumb discourse on the NBA, and then to have that conversation two days later about Doc, a coach who has had success everywhere at least a little bit. Let's go to uh, Nark in Ohio. How are you, Nark? Hey, uh, you guys have that mutt-busting all wrong. It's all cheap. Right, what? Not, not, that, not that's what bad. I said. I, I corrected him. They didn't put that on the intro. It is sheep. It's like little kids and sheep, right? I went to the Denver Broncos-Cleveland Browns game in Denver, and they had it at halftime. Seven kids, they put a helmet helmet on them and they wrap themselves around unshaven sheep. They hold on to the wall, and it's like a 40-yard dash. And, like, two of the kids made it the whole way. They gave trophies taller than the kids to everybody. But it's definitely sheep, not calves. <laughs> well, my bad. Right, well, I appreciate the call. I did. I, to be fair, I did correct that. I do find that. I'm going to be honest with you. I do find that to be a weird sport. Throw sheep out there put little kids and make them try to hold on for dear life while the sheep run around. Isn't that a weird sport? Would you like to hear the uh, requirements to be eligible to be in the uh, mutton busting at the Houston For Radio? the mutton or the kid? Uh, well, I don't have for the, uh, the mutton. I do have for the kid, though. <laughs> All right, what are the requirements? Contestants must be five or six years old as of February 27th, Five or six years old, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the last caller, Mark, was right. They, they strap them up with, like, shoulder pads and a helmet. I mean, it's like they're going to war what on these sheep. What a weird uh, thing. They like, also, that's so weird. <laughs> participants' weight must not exceed 55 pounds. And if you participated in 2023 – you're not eligible to participate in 2024. So even if you were great last year, you don't get to come back to try and button bust and defend your trophy. See, that's so that's weird it. to me. I mean, if, if I said to you, let's have a game where we take five- and six-year-olds and throw them off a, off a 
you know, a motorcycle going 30 miles an hour, you'd be nuts. But they will let them ride on these sheep that will throw them off, and they're like, hey, by the way, you need to be five or six years old. You need to be really little because it's a lot funnier if you're a little kid. It's electric, too. It, when, when one of these small <laughs> children actually makes it across, as Carla described it beautifully, the 40-yard dash that is the uh, mutton-busting obstacle See, course you don't here. think that's weird, though, to, to sit there – you don't uh, think it's weird to have a kid hanging on to an animal while uh, while grown-ups cheer? Well, it, to me, as a native New Yorker who's lived in Houston for five-plus years, yeah, like it was weird at first, but it's just so accepted down here. I'm like, well, hell, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and complain. This is awesome. Well, that one guy called earlier was like, I don't want to change anything. So clearly he doesn't want to change that. Corey is in New York. <laughs> Go ahead, Corey. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, uh, up in uh, upstate New York, we have a – we have also have rodeos, and we got something called bulldogging. It's where you sign a waiver, and you get to a young cow gets to run out, and you have to try to tackle him down. Unbelievable! <laughs> so you just got, out I there. I got another thing on the Wait, court running. Okay, people just run around and try to tackle cows. That's that's what you have for fun in upstate New York. No, it's uh, it's a it's a normal rodeo, and it's a thing the cow where tackle. you get to, yeah, you get to sign up and not like. Uh, oh wait a minute! You don't have to be trained. They just sign people off the street to go tackle cows. Yeah, give them a ten day. And then if you do tackle them, you get a, at least a hundred dollars. Oh, at least a hundred dollars. Yeah. <sighs> Appreciate the call, and we wonder why. The education level in America is going down. We are taking people off the street and going here, tackle this cow in front of everybody for a hundred dollars. There's something similar in Houston. I don't know what it's called though. I'm not, I'm not even going to try and come it's up with the name Tuesday. of it. <laughs> it's called Tuesday. It's a it's a rodeo event, man. Eight 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 say ESPN. I think it's called. Oh, that is in upstate New York. For those of you that think like the South or Texas is the weirdest place, they're doing that up in Schenectady now. So don't act like anything. You're not better than anybody uh, th- than we are down here. Eight 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 ESPN. Fortune favors the bold. But how bold will NFL teams be this offseason? We'll deal with that and probably more about people chasing cows. That's next <laughs> here on Sunday morning on ESPN Radio. Doc Rivers led Milwaukee Bucks look to get right when they face Tyrese Maxey in the Philadelphia 76ers. Two guys forget what we're running. We missed a shot, nobody gets back. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. NBA Sunday. Coverage begins at 12.30 Eastern with tip-off at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. Presented by Indeed. Matt and Myron, the podcast. Ah, it's Sunday morning here. Matt Jones and Jake Asman. You know, uh, you said you really like Nickelback. I mean, this, to be fair, Nickelback is terrible. Come on. But this song, if you hit it in the right moment, is not bad. I mean, look at this photograph. Everybody's growing up. This it's is where he went to school. Gets. Come on. That's right. This Great is where he went to school. Play no, Rockstar next. Wait a minute, you, you sing this for karaoke? I've sung about four or five Nickelback songs in my karaoke career, Matt. 
I mean, this is so you really gonna... like stand up at a bar for karaoke and I'm like, look at this photograph. You really do that? That's the best part. Then you go, then you do rock star. I threw standing in line. The clubs will never get in. I mean, come on, man. Nickelback's got quite the catalog. I love them. I... <laughs> All right. This That's is good. how you remind okay. me. I mean, <laughs> they got funny. it all. That's funny. That's funny. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Say ESPN. <laughs> it is now time for bold takes. That's right. I don't think we've ever played this before, Nick. What? What? I don't understand completely the rules of this game. So you give them to me so that I can play it correctly. Sure. So our friend uh, ESPN writer Aaron Schatz. Put out an article this week. Twenty shots, 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 shots. That's him. Shots, yes, got Twenty twenty four NFL offseason <laughs> bold moves and trades in free agency draft for all thirty two teams. So I've picked out a few. I'll toss them to you and Jake, and uh, we'll see if it makes sense. Got okay, it? got it. All right, cool. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills. His bold take for the Bills is to trade wide receiver Stephon Diggs. They'd have to do it before June first, or he would cost them more against the cap. It would save them about $19 million if they traded him before that June 1st date. So is that a good take, Matt? I would have said good take until the news came out on Friday that the cap is going to be $10 million higher than we thought. So now I think they, almost, they basically now have $10 million free dollars. So now the question is, is it worth it to trade for $9 million of cap space? And I would actually argue the answer is no. They were very close this year to beating the Super Bowl champ. Very close. I don't think Stefan trading digs will get them a player that will make it to where they are closer. So I'm okay. I'd go one more year with him, Jake. So I would have said correct until the cap rules changed, and now I'm going to say incorrect. I'm going to say incorrect as well because what's the solution at receiver if you get rid of Stephon Diggs? Gabe Davis is a free agent, and he's not even great anyway. I mean, you have you, you have the two tight ends there that are a focal point of the offense. But, no, you can't you're, – you're still all in. Like, as disappointing as this Bills season ended up being losing to Kansas City, I mean, everyone loses to Kansas City. You still need Stephon Diggs. Unless you tell me how they're finding a number one receiver to replace him, you got to find a way to keep him and maybe restructure his contract, whatever. you got $10 million more to, to make it work, figure it out. All right, we'll talk, All right, what's next? We'll talk about those Super Bowl-winning Kansas City Chiefs. Hot take or bold move for them to sign wide receiver Mike Evans, 10 straight 1,000-yard receiving years, and draft a wide receiver at number 32. Jake, do you like it? I, I love it because it, it feels like the Kansas City Chiefs kind of like one without having their most talented team that they're potentially going to have going forward. They'll, they'll, their young receivers will get better. You still obviously have Kelsey. You put Mike Evans there with uh, another drafted receiver. I mean, watch out. This offense will go right back to being just as explosive with the defense still being loaded. So if they could pull that off, that would be very scary for 31 other teams. All right, so here's what I'm going to say. If you tell me that they get Chris Jones back and they're able to sign him, then yes, okay? If they don't, then no. Like, if this would in any way keep me from getting Chris Jones back, then I don't think I need him because I think you could the, – the, the magic of Patrick Mahomes is you could take that dude at the 32nd pick and he'll probably be by the end of the year good. But if you tell me that I could sign Chris Jones again and – be able to get Mike Evans, and you can make that work under the cap again. Now they have ten million more dollars to do it. Then yes, I would uh, think that's good. What's next? The Minnesota Vikings going up to Myron's part of the country. Bold take for them: trade wide receiver Justin Jefferson and hit a total reset. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is not guaranteed to be back. He's a free agent. So 
Matt, is that too bold to trade Justin Jefferson and do a complete reset? Well, I need to know what you're doing with Kirk Cousins, right? So, like, if I'm bringing Kirk Cousins back in an NFC that's not great, then I want to keep Justin Jefferson and still have a chance to win. If I am tra- if I am getting rid of Kirk Cousins and I'm basically starting over at quarterback, then, yes, you might as well start over at receiver as well. But I need to know, I guess, Jake, their overall plans more because the NFC is still, in my opinion, open. You're basically going for one or two teams, whereas in the AFC there's like seven or eight really good ones. So I want to know what their overall franchise plan is. I agree with you, and I also would just take it a, you know another step forward. I'm not trading them regardless of whatever their plan is, to either keep Kirk Cousins or trade up for a quarterback in the draft or just take someone. where where they're picking in round one. Justin Jefferson is arguably the best receiver in this sport. He can help any quarterback, a good one, a young one. If you move on from Cousins and you're starting a rookie, don't you want to have that that security blanket that is the best receiver in the sport helping him? I'm keeping Justin Jefferson, man. He's he's the best player at his position in the sport. I'm not in the business of trading away that guy for draft picks that may or may not pan out, and they're certainly not going to be as good as what Justin Jefferson is right now. I'm keeping him at all costs. And I also I have a completely different view as a franchise based on whether I'm on the, in the NFC or the AFC, just because of what a massive difference in depth there are in the two leagues. You, you know, you you take the the Vikings if if Cousins is back and Jefferson, why can't they be the second or third best team in the NFC next year? I mean, they can, right? So like, whereas in the AFC they might not even make the playoffs. So I I think that matters a lot. What's next? All right, we have two left, and we'll pick both of your favorite teams. We'll start with Jake's and the New York Jets. The bold take suggested for the New York Jets, fire head coach Robert Sala and hire Mike Vrabel. So we'll start with you, Jake, on this one. Is that too bold of a take? I mean, I, I would love to be able to kind of snap my fingers and make that happen, but it's, it's not realistic, you know? I mean, it's February 25th. The Combine's next week. They're not firing the head coach and replacing him with Mike Rabel. You could do it. I mean, a lot of his you know old Tennessee Titans coaches are on the Jets coaching staff. Todd Downing, Keith Carter come to mind. But it's not going to happen. You know, the reality is Robert Sala has to win this upcoming year. He's had three straight losing seasons. He's also had the worst quarterback situation, though, in the NFL. The defense is still top five, according to DVOA. You get, you get Aaron. Rodgers back healthy the offense should at least be competent and you got to just ride it out if you're a Jet fan I'd I'd love for you know this scenario to happen I I wish Aaron could make it happen for the Jets but it's not realistic so it's it's too bold to even consider it's bold I love it Mike Vrabel uh here's what's most important he ate at my bar during the NBA NFL (laughs) draft process last year he came to town to meet with Will Levis he ate at my bar uh, I got to talk to him, and so really that's all that matters to me. You eat at my bar, I think you should get the job. Let Vrabel go to the Jets. He'll offset some of Aaron Rodgers' obnoxiousness. What's next? <laughs> I will right, we'll end it here with the Chicago Bears. Bold take for them, draft Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields. You keep both of them. What do you think of that one, Matt? Terrible take. That's, of all the options, the worst one. If you're going to – I want him to go with Caleb Williams. But if you're going to go with Justin Fields – Go with Justin Fields and actually use that to get other thing, to get other uh, you know assets. The worst idea would be to have both, create it to where neither of them is comfortable and have nothing happen. Terrible idea, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, unmitigated disaster. You can't do that either. You commit to a quarterback, or you're committing to uh, you know you're either committing to the rookie quarterback you're drafting, or you're committing to Justin Fields. The idea that you keep both and try and make it work and let it play out, you're just not maximizing the value you could get either trading out of the number one. Spot Spot, or obviously trading Justin Fields. You got to make a decision and then move forward. That's it. Totally agree with you. 888 say ESPN. Uh, Dale and Tommy 
are on the phone, they're going to probably have rodeo questions, and that's okay. You know, this is a lot of rodeo talk. You don't get a lot of that on ESPN, but you know what? There's only so many times we can talk about LeBron's legacy. So we will deal with that (laughs) and a lot more next here on Sunday Morning. Hey, it's Michelle Smallman coming up Monday. I'll tell you the one bold NFL offseason move I want to see happen. It's Unsportsmanlike, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Matt and Myron, the podcast. It's the Jake Asman theme. <laughs> Stand in line to clubs he'll never get in. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea if that's true or not. <laughs> With Matt Jones and Jake down in Houston, presented by Progressive Insurance. Are you a club guy? Like, do you go out there, you know, to make your uh, scene? Yep. My my middle name is actually Club. Yeah. Jake, Jacob Club Asman, Matt. You and Pitbull and all the stars are oh, out yeah. there. All right. Well, good. Mr. Worldwide. Uh, yep. We hang out all the time. We were actually talking during the break. This is how you know you're talking to ESPN people because they're talking about hockey. Like, no one else in the world is talking about hockey. <laughs> but, it, it, like, at ESPN, because it's in Bristol, people are talking about hockey. I like hockey. I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan. And we were talking about, uh, you know, the New York Rangers won 10 straight games uh, in hockey. Are you a hockey guy at all, Jake? Uh, I am. Houston doesn't have a team because all the ice would melt. So, what I, do, you, what, do you like it? They used to have a team, the Houston Arrows, baby. But they, they no longer exist, unfortunately. They're actually rumored to maybe be one of the cities that could get – uh, in expansion, that never franchise. works though. Like when they go to Houston and Atlanta and cities like that, they don't care, right? Like, so you can't go there. They don't really care about the Rockets down here, though. So, like, if you added hockey to Toyota Center, I mean, <laughs> more it's more things for people not to care about. Possibly, but I will say, Houston, for as big of a city as it is, there's a lot of transplants that live down here. So, I, I do think I, I've argued on the radio down here when I did local radio for ESPN 97.5 for several years that maybe they should give it a shot. It could work because it's not like the Rockets are drawing all these people, but yeah. It's tough to envision Houston getting a hockey team, but I am a hockey fan. I'm a New York Islanders fan, though, so I hate the Rangers. So seeing them have success pains me. Nick, I'm uh, Thursday because I know you're a hockey guy. Nick, Thursday, I'm driving three and a half hours from Lexington to Columbus, Ohio, to watch my Carolina Hurricanes back and forth in one night because I got a show Friday morning. Do you think there's anybody that's ever driven seven hours round trip in one night to watch the Carolina Hurricanes before? <laughs> have you heard of Canadians? They definitely yeah. – I bet you there's a but Canadian. But not there. I said the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, there's a Carolina no, God, no. fan that has driven seven hours round trip in a night to go watch their team play. Not a chance that somebody would do that. That's right. For so the Hurricanes. Maybe, so maybe you would argue I'm the biggest Hurricanes fan. Do you want that title, world. though? Yeah, because they're fun. First of all, Hurricanes' best logo, Jake, agree with me in sports, right? Do, the I red like and it. black. Not better than the Whalers logo, though, that they took over for. We, we own that one, too. Good. We use it a couple <laughs> times a year. Uh, fan, it's the loudest arena in hockey. You know that, right, Nick? Like they, all the announcers say, it's the loudest arena in hockey. Uh, I'd like to throw MSG out there for you. Oh, MSG. What are you talking about? You all have all that wine and cheese. You don't have enough time to cheer. We Not for Carolina, hockey. We're in Carolina are excited don't don't argue with me about this. I'm you know in Kentucky we know our hockey. Eight 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 say ESPN. Dale is in Arizona. What do you got, Dale? Hey guys, I got a hockey story for you. Or not hockey. Don't uh, a rodeo story. I'm sorry. Same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, 1984. It was an indoor rodeo at the Coliseum here in Phoenix. It was the bull riding. A uh, the bull tossed off the rider. 
got away from the guys that were trying to corral it. It went down to the end of the arena. They went down to go get it. It took off running and leaped over the wall into the crowd. Whoa. Uh, it, How'd they yeah, get it? it got hung up on the railing, so the people in the first row had time to scatter. But I was close enough to see the looks on some of these women's faces as that bull was coming over the rail. It got over the rail, went up the, the stairs to, and into the concourse with about 20 cowboys climbing, <laughs> scrambling over the I wall. I like it. Well, you know what? You never, that's the thing about rodeos. Well, I mean, what is it? Ron Artest and uh, rodeos. Those are the only people that go into the crowd. So I appreciate the call. Do you, uh, do you think, Jake, that's going to happen at the Houston rodeo this year? You know, they have, uh, they have guard ra- uh, rails in place that are very high. So I'd be surprised if the, uh, the bull – could actually break, you know, break free. I don't think we're going to have a, you know, a Wake Forest Duke, uh, you know, court storming incident at the rodeo either. So I, I think people will be okay. Some of those people in at the rodeo, especially the one in the suites, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the, if the bull <laughs> met them. Let's go to Kevin in Illinois. What do you got, Kevin? Oh, here we go. Hello, sirs. Good morning. <laughs> Anytime you're ready, Kevin. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. No. Can you hear me? You. Nope. Don't oh, know who nope, can't hear you. Uh, um I'm I'm here in Chicago and okay. everything on the radio is all, you know, Justin Fields number one pick. And I know the whole faux pas about, you know, trading trading interdivisional, regardless of what sport you're talking about. But I'm thinking what you guys were just talking about with Minnesota, not knowing what Cousins is gonna be doing. How about Fields? For Jefferson, maybe not straight up, but they're not going to do that. Fields for Jefferson, Come they're on. not going to do that. Why would they do that? Why would they? Why would Minnesota trade Justin Jeff or for Jefferson for Justin Fields? Why? Well, if Cousins is not going to come back, and you yeah, but guys why would they do that? They can get Jefferson. more than Justin Fields. I mean, that's the best receiver in the league. They can't. They can get a lot more than Justin Fields for him. What about for Fields and that number nine pick? Okay, well, now that's something, you know, maybe. I appreciate the call, but I don't know why the Bears would do that, actually. Uh, what do you what do you think about that one, Jake? Well, the Bears could turn Justin Fields into, you know, Justin Jefferson and the ninth pick. Uh, no, no, they'd give up the ninth pick to get Justin and Fields to get oh, Jefferson. You know, I, I still would do that if I'm the Bears, yeah, honestly. I'm Justin Jefferson's that. going for probably at least two ones and two twos or two ones and a two and a three. Like, I mean, he's the best receiver in the sport in a passing league, and you're turning a quarterback that you have no interest in because you're going to take someone to replace him first overall, and you're turning him into that for your, your uh, you know, generational quarterback, your drafting number one. You get him the best receiver in, in football to go with DJ Moore, who you already have in place. I'd be giddy if I was a Bears fan if I would yeah, make I would that too. deal. I, I the Vikings would, I would aren't going to do it. But the Vikings are going to do that. I, I would do it. Now, a story that got a little bit of attention, but probably not as much as it should have if you're a college sports fan, is in Tennessee. Tennessee, the thing about the Tennessee volunteer football team, they like to cheat so much that they'll cha- they'll get the entire rules of the sport changed just so they can cheat. That's what you got to like about the Vols. They went to a federal court in, ten- in Tennessee and said – we are using our collective to recruit players, and we are paying them and doing all this stuff. The NCAA said you can't do that, and they went to court, and a federal court, a federal judge, issued an injunction Friday, a nationwide injunction that prohibits the NCAA from punishing any athlete, booster, or school for using NIL to negotiate them to come to the school. 
Here's the practical impact of all that. For now, until an appellate court reverses it or Congress changes it, the NCAA is prohibited from stopping schools and collectives of basically doing anything to recruit players to come to their university. Now, they were already offering money, clearly, but this basically says you don't even have to hide it anymore. Jake, what do you make of the decision? It just feels like there's so much chaos with NIL and and recruiting now and the transfer portal. I mean, we, you said it best, Matt. This was going on anyway, but now it's like you could just be so out in the open being like, yeah, come here and we're going to pay you, you know, you know, $30,000 from this endorsement deal we'll get you and we're going to pay you 100 k from this. It's just, I don't know. I'm all about college athletes being able to monetize off their name, image, and likeness, but it just feels like there's, there should be some sort of – you know, middle ground or happy medium or some sort of guidelines put in place. And this basically just allows more chaos to happen. Let me ask you a question. Let me play the devil's advocate. Why should there be any of those? Like, why shouldn't players be able to go to the school that gives them the best deal just like you or I could do in our daily jobs? It feels like there's now more of a separation between the haves. And there's the always have-nots. been a separation. How well, many, like, yeah, I, everybody with says it, cool. that. Everybody says that, but – in the last 20 years before NIL, Jake, the same five teams won the national championship in football. It's like Alabama and those schools have been good forever. What's the difference? Well, I wonder if like a school like Alabama, though, are, are they no longer going to be as great as they've been? See, I, that's my argument. I actually think what this does is levels the playing field. I keep hearing the have and have nots, but I actually think what it's going to be, especially in football where you cannot – they just don't have the money, Jake, to pay 100, 100 players $10 million. You know what I mean? Like, there comes a point that the schools are just going to, like, cut it at some point. And I actually think it gives other schools a chance to get players, Jake, that maybe they couldn't have gotten before because they might have a booster that's willing to give money. I, I do think the NIL is not as big of a problem as maybe, like, what the transfer portal is. Like, I'm all for guys being able to transfer and not have to sit out. Coaches leave all the time, even though they make multi-year commitments to the school. But do you think there should be a rule maybe to try and mitigate what's going on with NIL, and that's a separate thing? But you only I get to transfer they, once without having to sit out. What they should do if what they should do is call, is call the, ath- the athletes, employees, and collectively bargain. That's what they ought to do. And then you can put whatever rules in place you want through the process of collective bargaining. But I do believe so long as these athletes are essentially able to do – as long as these athletes are not collectively bargained with, they should be able to do whatever they want. The transfer portal, everybody hates it, but coaches have a transfer portal. Why can't players? Here's what the transfer portal does that I like. Right now, I'll just use the SEC as an example in basketball. The two best players in the SEC, one of them's name is Antonio Reeves, plays at Kentucky, came from Illinois State. One of them's name is Dalton Connect. He plays at Tennessee, and he was at Northern Colorado. Jake, is what is wrong with Antonio Reeves and Dalton Connect being able to have a chance to play major college basketball rather than being stuck at Illinois State and Northern Colorado? They're both going to be first uh, draft picks in the NBA. Maybe not first round, but they'll both be draft picks. 
that wouldn't have happened had they stayed at their schools, isn't that what this should all be about anyway? I have no problem with that. I think what looks poor is like when you have a couple of years ago, remember Jordan Addison leaves Pittsburgh after he's the Belitnikoff winner and he transfers to USC. It's like that, What's that's wrong with that, though? Well, just, if, it, the, if the Pittsburgh coach, Jake, whoever it was, got the job offer at USC, would he go? He, he might, but he didn't. You know, he just left but because let's he, just got, say he got he thrown did. the bag. Let's say – What's wrong with that? That's why these coaches leave. Do you not think these coaches leave because they get thrown a bag? 100%. Why can't the players? Then why can't the players? The, I just don't think the optics look great. I'm all for transferring. That's fine. I, I think it should only be one time you get the transfer without having to sit out. I, I think it becomes free agency every year if you basically have to worry and you about don't your want players. The, okay, if you don't want that, then collectively bargain with the players. That, that which would work for me. Believe me, I, I'm all about the players being paid. I, I, I'm not trying to say I'm against that. I just think there should be some baselines established so you don't have the wild, wild west of free agency, which is now what the transfer portal essentially is. I just year. have no problem with it. I actually think look at college football this past year. Look at who was good. You had teams like Washington and Missouri, and, and two years ago TCU went to the championship – there's more parity now, Jake, in the NIL era than there was before. There was a period of time where the same six teams went to the playoff every year. Now, Ole Miss is good now. All these schools are good that weren't good. That's a difference. I actually think it's because of NIL and the transfer portal. Well, now the a stopping was, it. Yeah, you're right about that, too. But I think now the problem is uh, we're never going to truly know how much parity there could have been because now we're just going to let everyone into the college football we plan. We're ne- going to 12 Good. Teams. That makes it more fun. Let them in. It's fun. It devalues the regular season, though. It oh, is. Oh, the devalue. No. Now, wait. I'm, I got to argue should have been I know we gotta, I know. I know we got to go to break, but let's use this. Let's say – let me give you an example. Yep. You're going to have a game at the end of the year. Let's say Tennessee – plays Missouri next year in the next last week of the season. In the past, you wouldn't have cared about that game. It would not matter. Now the winner might go to the playoff. It makes more games matter, Jake, than did before. But the problem is Ohio State and Michigan will play. And, who cares? Well, who cares? It's not just they're going to be them. in the playoffs anyway. They're gonna but be it's not just about weeks. them. College, ba- college football has 125 teams. Having a 12-team playoff means more than six teams' games matter. I just think 12 is too many. You want to sell me on six or eight, I'm on board. 12 just feels like we're completely devaluing what makes college football college football, the regular season mattering more than any other regular season. It matters a ton to the six or eight teams that are great. But now, like I'm a Kentucky fan. My team has never played a meaningful November game. Now they might. They might actually have a game one year where they have a shot to make the playoff. As a fan of a team that's not a powerhouse, that's exciting. I guess I'm a college football elitist, Matt. I guess that's what I'm learning. You, pro- you probably are. That's right. We are going to deal. We got some callers on here. Somebody's challenging me being the biggest Hurricane fan. We'll deal with all of that next <laughs> on ESPN Radio. Hey, this show and all of ESPN Radio is streaming live on the ESPN app. Featuring ESPN Plus, where you get more ESPN. more ESPN. Download the ESPN app today and take ESPN and ESPN Radio everywhere. Matt and Myron, the podcast. That's right. This is your theme song there in Houston, uh, Jake. It's it's Sunday morning, Matt Jones, Jake Asman. This is Houston by the Gatlin Brothers. Do you know this song? Uh, I have heard the song, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Matt. I did not know it was by the Gatlin Brothers. 
Well, you should. The Gallon Brothers, uh, All the Gold in California. You've probably heard that song, haven't you? I've heard you? that one, yeah. All right, that's the Gallon Brothers uh, as well. Uh, 888-SAY-ESPN. Uh, as one person notes, ask Jake if he knows that your Carolina Hurricanes are the only major sports team whose nickname has four vowels in their name. Uh, did I did not know, know this. No, I did not. That it's is a good uh, trivia question for you and your friends. Put it out there sometime on your show. What's the only pro sports team with four vowels in their nickname? It is the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, you learn something new every day, and I did not have that on my bingo board of, of knowledge. I don't feel like you liked that fact as much as I did. I thought that was a great fact, and you just it didn't seem like you were all that interested. Well, I, what am I really going to do with it, you know? <laughs> well, you say I, it. I appreciate it. It's interesting. And everybody likes it. And but then you – but then what? what, what, what then what you move on then? to Justin in North Carolina. <laughs> Go ahead, Justin. How's it going, guys? Doing good. We uh, live in Wilmington, and we routinely make trips up to Raleigh to watch the Hurricanes. And I've got a couple of friends that actually uh, are season ticket holders. So that's a five-hour round trip every time they play at home, and they make it every time religiously. Let me ask you a question, though. Is five hours as long as seven hours? No, but when it's well, routinely done multiple times a week, it adds up really quick, though. Yeah, but again, I'm arguing I'm making the longest trip in history to watch a Carolina Hurricanes game round trip. Seven no. is still, Jake, longer than five, right? The the fact that you're doing it all in one day is the most impressive aspect. And going people, to work the next morning. Yeah. It's on a Thursday night, and I have a show at 10 a.m. Friday morning. You know, because people do road trips for their favorite team. You know, I, I was out in Vegas this past year to watch the Jets Raiders game. So, like, you, people make trips, but you're doing it all by car, watching the game, and then driving back and going to work the next day. I mean, that's what separates the good from the great right there. That's, that's right. Now, you're a 28-year-old Jets fan. What is your favorite Jets memory of your lifetime? Uh, January 16th, 2011, Jets go into New England as 13-and-a-half-point underdogs in the divisional round of the playoffs, and led by Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan, defeated Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to advance to their second straight AFC title game. The fact that you know the date. Uh, yeah, I'm that, not waiting for impressive. another playoff win or anything. You know, or that's just making the playoffs. That's very impressive. I'm not, I'm not lying. Joe is in Canada. I always hate Joe when we have a Canadian caller. Our, our producers will not put the city – they just act like Canada is all one city, which I don't think is fair to you folks in Canada. <laughs> so where in Canada are you? I'm in Ottawa. The capital. Ottawa. Okay, so what do you got? So I just think it's funny that he was uh, saying he hates the Rangers because he's an Islanders fan when the Islanders for the past 10 years have been the probably the most boring thing to watch in all of sports. They take the mantle. I don't know if you guys were hockey they fans. Do. Yes, the 90s, they do. You're right. But uh, the New Jersey Devils of the 90s are now the Islanders of right now. It's actually a very, good, it's a very good point. I appreciate the call. Islanders have awesome fans, but the most boring team along with Iowa uh, football and Virginia basketball to watch. Well, basically, he uses the Devils comp because Lou Lamorello, who was the architect of those Devils teams that won all those cups, he's now the Islanders, you know, president of hockey ops. The difference is, for, for a while, the Islanders, his first couple of years, they had Barry Trotz as their coach. They were winning. They went to back-to-back conference finals. If they didn't run into the dynasty that was the Tampa Bay Lightning, they would have had, you know, an opportunity to win win a cup one of those years. But, yeah, they're they're, they're not a great watch. This year, this year they, they can't defend, but they could score. They've just been a complete mess. They collapse every third period for those who have followed them but yeah they're not exactly the most fun team to watch but when you're winning you know it's you like don't Iowa care fans. As much. you don't speaking care. of that Fred is in Iowa you realize that your football team Fred 
is really a disgrace to the sport, but you probably don't care because you win, right? Well, I would say the offense might be a disgrace. Yeah, but that's the point. Nobody tunes in to watch defense, and so you all are the most, like, boring team in college football. Well, if you're going to throw darts at Iowa, I'm going to throw darts at your seven-hour road trip, and I think Lawrence Taylor said it best, you know, uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, but let's, let's let's get back to the Justin Fields take real quick. I think <laughs> what the Bears play- I think he just wanted to use a cocaine quote. That really has nothing to do with anything, <laughs> but go ahead. But the, the, So the Bears have played themselves into this position. They've been maneuvering to have this number one overall pick. They did a great trade last year. You know, they've been maneuvering to have Justin Fields be their quarterback. Why not trade out of that? I, I get the clock. I get the rookie clock. But you know what? Every, every team in the playoffs last year, other than the Niners, was paying a quarterback. So it can yeah, be Yeah, but done. remember now, to my, in, in my opinion at least, and I appreciate the call, you can only win the Super Bowl, Jake, one of two ways. Have a Hall of Fame quarterback or have a rookie? That's what history tells us. Hall of Famer, rookie. If you have anything else, and by rookie, I mean rookie deal. If you have anything else, you can't win. At least that's what we've seen in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, you you just look at, like, a couple, like, outliers here or there. But for the most part, you're right. Like, you either have a great quarterback that you could build around or you could build a team around a quarterback who's not making the big bucks yet, a la what the Niners have done with Purdy. So, you're right. And that's why I think it's an easy decision for the Bears. You take Caleb, you trade fields for what you can get, and you start the clock all over trying to build around a generational QB, they say. Yes. You've got last few Super Bowls, Mahomes, Stafford will be a Hall of Famer, and then rookie Burrow, rookie Purdy contract. That's the way it goes. We will talk a little bit about the box and more. This is next on ESPN Radio. Greeny. Mahomes is now shaping not only his own legacy, he is defining the legacy of all of his nearest rivals. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Matt and Myron, the podcast. You can listen to the show live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Matt and Myron, the podcast.